Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyo Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we explore personal and professional details of hotties with sexy jobs like internet step milfs. And our guest today is a 44-year-old sex worker, journalist, and sex work advocate who is 10 years into an emotionally monogamous and sexually open relationship. She's into power play, cougar things, and continuing her journey of sexual exploration on and off film. Welcome the internet stepmom, Cherie DeVille. That was an amazing intro. Thank you so much. I feel like really gassed up right now. I'm ready. <laughs> well, I am very ready to hear all of your details. So could you start off by telling us if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shameometer today with 10 being the most full of shame and one being totally shameless, where do you fall right now? I would say maybe at the most a one, but that's not something new in my life. Like I wasn't raised with a lot of the like religious background that I feel like feeds a lot of the shame in our society's sexual exploration. So I was always, you know, open and enjoyed exploring and was never really shamed for doing that. I think there might've been a time, you know, in our teens where people were judging when you did or didn't lose your virginity. But other than that little blip, I haven't had the experience a lot of my friends and colleagues have had of, oh, you know, some religion saying don't masturbate or save yourself for marriage or a lot of those things that others have struggled with. I've gotten to sort of pass by, luckily. Amazing. That's awesome. Can you tell us what sort of sex talk, sex ed, or lesson in consent you got growing up, if anything you got was helpful? You know, that is actually a really interesting question. The last part of it, just made me realize I never got any lessons in consent. You know, it's so important to me now, and it's such a a popular topic of conversation as it should be, but I don't recall my parents or any of my peers 
having that discussion with me. I mean, obviously everyone knew they didn't want to be assaulted, but between assault and, you know, perfectly consensual sex, there was absolutely no discussion. You know, even in my first sexual experiences, while I considered them unbelievably consensual and beautiful, I feel like we talked about consent, but not in any kind of formal way. It was more of a, do you like this? Do you not like this kind of feelings? That's really interesting. I'm probably going to think about that a little bit further. And even, you know, as my nieces grow, I feel like that is an important part of everyone's sex talk. And I think for my parents, it wasn't as much of an explicit sex talk as a, you know, make sure that you're happy, make sure that you feel good about this person you know, be safe, of course, in terms of pregnancy was definitely a topic of conversation. There was an SDI conversation, you know, but I don't think anything as robust as what I would want to talk to my nieces about, you know, and even though my parents did a really good job, they were raised with a lot of sexual shame. Mm -hmm. So they had a really different experience than they were able to help me have, you know? Totally. So it sounds like you had a lot of good pieces growing up, it also sounds like you were very good at like translating them into what sounds like it amounts to consensual relations for you. Can you tell us now, what is sexy to you? I feel like that has changed and evolved so much over the years where like at this moment, I find vulnerability to be like one of the most beautiful and sexy things. Like when Mm. I feel like I can make an intimate It doesn't have to be love, but when I feel like I can make an intimate connection with someone and that we're both able to be sexually vulnerable with each other, that to me is just like profoundly beautiful. I've been really into that. You know, when I was younger, it was more like, I don't want to experience this act or this act or this act, and I want these things to happen. And that was really what got me there. But now that connected vulnerable component is just so hot because it is hard to find a partner on or off film that's really willing to go there with you. And when someone's willing to put that kind of trust in me, man, I just find that both beautiful and erotic. Totally get it. I'm going to ask you kind of an impossible question. Mm -hmm. Can you put into words that feeling of vulnerable connection? Like, how do you know when it's happening? I think it's a combination for me of eye contact and communication. You know, when someone is willing to tell you that what you're doing, not even in a negative way, like I had a beautiful experience just a few days ago with someone that I was working with and I was just loving the way that she was correcting my oral sex techniques. It was one of the hottest experiences for me because as she was honing in on her pleasure, I felt so successful. You know, she had a great orgasm in the end. I loved the feedback because I felt like she was comfortable enough with me to say, no, I like it this way. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so intimate. This is so beautiful. She's not, even though we're on film, just going to lay there and fake an orgasm because it's on film and no one would ever know, right? She wants pleasure from me. And that was, especially for work, that was real nice. Emotionally just beautiful. That's really, really beautiful. Yeah. Do you 
find communication like that happens often for work or is it rare? We always try and do a lot of communication before the scene, Mm -hmm. but during the scene at work, I find a lot of people are unwilling to verbalize those changes. And I don't know why, maybe they think it'll ruin the fantasy of the scene, but I actually think it adds to the scene because it shows a level of realism that we should all be, you know, at home, of course, I do that all the time. I'm always telling my partners, oh, more of this, less of that, up there, down there. You know, I feel like that's a really, really normal part of sex that really isn't seen a lot on film. So I have especially lately trying to do more of that on film to really communicate my needs. That's like my nerdy life dream. So like literally what I'm preparing is I have my bucket list. I am still in the like want to try these actions phases. Although I'm hoping now that now that you've pointed it out and put it on my radar, I'm like, well, of course I want as many of them to be as vulnerable and connected and present as possible. But I really am fantasizing about scenes in which like the first bit is us negotiating, you know, having the conversation and then doing it and then debriefing. Yeah, because <laughs> all of that is done, but it's just not always shown on film. Like you go to work and you have massive like checklists. You go over yeses and nos on sex acts and on words and on positions and on all kinds of contact. And then you review it again after. But I would love to see more of that throughout the film in a hot way. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so now what do you think counts as sex? Like what acts count as sex? Yeah, what do you count it as? And like, does it change situation to situation? Yeah, I think for me, anything that is erotic can be sex. You know, if somebody wanted to lick my foot until they orgasmed, that would be sex. You know, if someone wanted to lick my nipples until I came, that would be sex. Like, I really enjoy my belly button being played with, you know, <gasps> especially if I were to orgasm from that, which I can. That would you be can? sex. It's, Wait. Yeah. Have you, do you play with your belly button at all? I, like the inside, like really deep. No, so I don't because I have a completely different relationship. So my cat likes to step on my belly button when I'm asleep and it makes me feel weak and scared because I'm like, it's thinner there. I might pop. What if it goes through? <laughs> so, I, so I'm like really actually sensitive around my belly button. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's a strong feeling, but if you ever got to the place where you felt like experimenting and like pressing like in the center of your belly button kind of deep, some people find it pleasurable. Some people find it unpleasurable, but a lot of people that I know can feel it in their genitals. What? Okay. I'm going to maybe try this experiment. Try it gently. Try it with like maybe a softer object. You know, if like my nails are sharp, that wouldn't be my first experiment. But if you have (laughs) short fingernails. I did. I just cut them. Yeah. That'd be a perfect thing to just gently, and you will not pop, to just gently, gently press or move around the inside of the belly button area and see if you like it. Can I ask you some detailed questions about your belly button? Yeah. When did you realize that you were into your belly but like that it felt good? Or Super like, young. I okay. started masturbating very, well, who knows what young is. I'd say I was, could be as early as 10, 11 for sure. Okay. Do you have an innie or an outie? Any. I'm not sure if it matters. Who knows what the components are to the pleasure, but it's not just me. I know okay. other people can feel it in their genitals and some people find it to be very strong and displeasurable because it's very, I think it's a pretty strong sensation. So whether you like it or not, you'll feel it. Yeah. (laughs) 
I've never really explicitly thought about how it's an I wonder if there's other people out there who people are listening to me say this going, what? Wait, the okay, heck? so do people make out with your belly button? Do you like that? Can that make you come? Or is it like pressing? I don't like wetness in there because okay. I do have sort of a deep hole. Maybe if I had an Audi, I would like wet I feel like wetness is like a wet willy situation. I can also imagine someone making out with my belly button and having it feel like they're going down on me. Like I'm, I can use my. It's really nice, or like a combo move, like if they're going down on you and just like rubbing the belly button. That is a plus. That is a plus. I'm, I'm, I'm needing to add things to my bucket list now. (laughs) Maybe you can do the belly button part. I'll do it. I'll help you experiment. I will help you discover your belly button personally, not with these nails, no. but with better nails. <laughs> or we can do the glove cotton ball trick yeah. and, and see what happens. <laughs> or you can okay. guide my a finger. Q, a Q-tip. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the tr- thing. Trust me, you're going to love it. <laughs> I am into sensory play. I'm not afraid oh, of I a poke thing. Uh, if mm-hmm. our agreement was don't pop me. I mean, you know, most yeah, people probably Yeah, I swear to God you won't. I'm also a physical therapist, and oh. with my medical background, I can guarantee, I can guarantee there will be no popping of any kind. <laughs> okay, man. Oh man, I'm. St- I'm I have you talked about your belly button like on TikTok or anywhere else? I want to go Not watch that. Really? TikTok. I mean, okay, maybe you should. <laughs> I wonder if I've talked. I've definitely talked about it with colleagues. I wonder if I've talked about it on. I mean, I'm open to anyone knowing about it. I think it's fantastic. That's an excellent question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have another follow-up question. Can you come from your nipples? You mentioned getting them sucked. You know, when I something. was younger, it might be because I've had a breast augmentation. Mm. But when I was younger, I absolutely could come from nipple play. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I never but I haven't had an orgasm from nipples in many, 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 many years. Okay. And even though I really, really love them being touched and played with, I don't know if it's like hormonal changes or the breast augmentation changes, but it's not quite the same as it was when I was younger. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I was just so like horned up when I was like young <laughs> that I was like, uh, you probably touched my earlobe and I could come at one point. You know how you're like, ah. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Since we're on the subject of orgasm, if you feel comfy, do you mostly come from like, I mean, if you can come from your belly button, then do you come from internal stimulation, external all over? Like what's it like now? So Combo is my favorite. Penetration with clitoral stimulation is my favorite orgasm. My second Mm -hmm. favorite is clitoral. And I can come from penetration alone, but almost never on the first orgasm. Do you know what I mean? I feel like my first orgasm is like, I'm going to need a little more. You know what I mean? I'm going to need clitoral and penetration or at least clitoral. But after that, if my emotions are in the right place, penetration is a possibility. Okay. I love it. Okay. But back to the interview in its regular form, what, (laughs) we heard a little bit, what is your sex related work like right now? Do you identify as a sex worker? We know that you do from your intro. Okay. Tell us more. Tell us more. I do identify as a sex worker. I think in the beginning I might have identified as like, gosh, maybe like a pornographer or blah, blah, blah. But like, what is sex work then? I kind of got pissed off that people were creating and even society was creating this kind of like hierarchy. You know what I mean? Of like what was like the least slutty and the most slutty and what made you a sex worker and like all of that stuff. And I decided like I reject that. To me, like 
If you're a fetish model, sex worker, even if you've never been penetrated, if you are a cam model, sex worker, if you're an in-person worker, sex worker, pornographer, sex worker, like if my content in whatever form it takes is creating an erotic vibe, if its purpose is to create an erotic vibe in another human, I am a sex worker. Mm -hmm. So I just decided that was far easier than being like some nuanced unimportant category. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, I do. I do. I do. I'm still going. And I also still like all the funny names too. I like the regular ones. I like the funny ones. And I'm trying to explore the whole hierarchy. So tell us a little bit more about your work. Like how do you spend most of your time? What are your favorite parts? What's the origin story? How did it all come to be? I wish I spent most of my time having sex, but I spent (laughs) most of my time at my computer. I know. Me too. I get it. So, you know, you get into sex work and you're like, there's going to be all this hot sex. And there is like twice a week. (laughs) (laughs) Like every other day is like social media and like promotion and editing and like talking to my team members and texting my fans. And like, that's the job, you know, at the end of the day. And like, coming up with concepts, hiring locations, getting costuming, all these organizational tasks that are fun, but certainly not like when I first got into sex work, I'm like, I am just going to have sex and get paid. Yeah, just like full stop. That was yeah. it. I'm like, have sex, get paid. This is great. And then I'm like, wow, this is a really, really time consuming job. Yeah. <laughs> like outside of the have sex and get paid part. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But As for my origin story, so I'm also a physical therapist and 13, 14 years ago, I was kind of just getting bored of the nine to five grind, but wasn't trying to exit my career. I wouldn't have had any idea how to exit. I would have been too scared to exit. I had spent years getting my doctorate degree. So there was no way I was just going to be like, fuck it. Like, like, (laughs) no, like, like this was my like path you know, and I was on it and I was doing it and I was bored. It was hard to admit that to myself, but I was bored. So I started dabbling in other ways to make money, thinking it would just be spending money, like extra fun spending money, doing something that I found very exciting and very enticing, which was just nude modeling. That's it. I was just doing nude modeling for like Model mayhem, random yep. dudes with cameras. Totally. Which I found very erotic. Also my gateway drug. Yes. <laughs> well, one of many. It was kind of hot because they weren't professionals. Yes. If that makes sense. So there is this like, like when I work with a professional photographer, it doesn't feel like I'm turning them on even if I am because we're both just like really, really at work. Mm. But when I worked for the model mayhem photographers, I knew that it was mostly for their personal collection. So it definitely had a really fun energy. I loved it. I was doing that. I had my resume there. I had my resume, whatever you want to call it, a resume there. I had my resume on sexyjobs.com. Oh. Yeah. And so I was doing stuff. I'd gotten into a few like men's magazines, nothing like Playboy, nothing like dramatically amazing. And somehow my current adult agent, Sandra at OC Modeling, saw my resume or one of her headhunters did and was like, would you like to come to LA and shoot porn? And I was like, you want me, like, you want me to shoot? I was like, how does one even shoot porn? Like, that'd be like, hey, want to be an astronaut? I'd be like, sure. But like, how, like, (laughs) what? Where is it shot? How does it work? Like, I knew 
nothing but like boogie nights potentially was my only like frame of reference for the industry. It was like a blank slate, but I was like, you know what? I don't even know if I'm, I was already going to swingers clubs and stuff at this point, if that helps like frame my sexuality. But I was like, God, like that is scary and fascinating. And then I asked myself, like, when you're 90, if you didn't do this, how will you feel about yourself? And I was like, pissed, pissed. Like I have, like, yeah. I don't care what comes of this, but like, I don't want that kind of like that missing out, like coulda, woulda, shoulda. I'm like, worst case scenario, you can be like, look what Nana did. Look at these crazy DVDs. <laughs> like, look what a bad bitch I was when I was younger. Like Nana lived her life, children. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm like, worst case scenario, I have this, like, I was in a porn. Like, yeah. I was in a porn, y'all, like a mainstream <laughs> porn. So I couldn't, I couldn't pass that up. I couldn't pass that up. So I flew my little self to LA. I took my week's work that my agent had booked me. I was only doing girl, girl at the time because I was like, these boys seem scary and they have large penises. <laughs> so I was like, that felt, over <laughs> that felt overwhelming at the time. So I did my week's work and I, loved it. I loved the people. I loved the hair and makeup. I loved the costumes. I loved the weird scenarios. And I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. So like, I was like, well, you know, I'll just come to LA once in, like seasonally, you know, almost like as a vacation, like shoot some porn, see my new little friends, like do the LA thing, which was like new to me too. <laughs> And then go home and do my regular job. And I did that for years. I was just like oh, randomly, really? I was just randomly doing porn and working as a physical therapist for years. That's so hot. Wait, where, how far were you flying in from? That's amazing. <laughs> I lived winters in Nashville, Tennessee and summers on the beach in New Jersey at the time. So I was just like randomly, secretly shooting porn. I did contact a lawyer to make sure I couldn't lose my license right, right, and all right. of that stuff. You know, I did some due diligence. And then I was like going like every few months to LA and then like every other month to LA and then like a week every month to LA and then like two weeks a month in LA. And then I'm like, let's take a step back. You're doing this. <laughs> like, like you're doing this more than physical therapy. Like, okay. People like your work. Like you're building a name for yourself. Every time you're available, you're getting hired. Like, what do you want? Do you want to continue doing therapy as your primary and doing this as your side hustle? Or do you want to see where this can go as a career? And I'm like, this is amazing. I've never been so excited about something. I've never felt so motivated. I've never been so hardworking at anything yeah. on and off camera. I'm going to move to LA. I think part of it that I was scared that no one would like me or like that it wouldn't work out. So I was almost like, I feel like not putting both feet in was like almost like an emotional safety net for me. But totally so eventually right. I'm like, you're good enough to do this. You can do this. People like you be brave, put both feet in the swimming pool and try your hardest in all the ways that you can, you know, in your business ways in your social media ways, like do it to the best of your abilities and let's see what happens. And it's gone very well. <laughs> Tell us the highlight. Tell us what's amazing. Also, how long have you been in LA now? Maybe over eight years, nine years. Okay. Yeah. Tell us your favorite parts. Tell us what lights you up. So many boring and exciting things. So right. some of the boring things that have changed my whole life. I'm my own boss. 
I can work any hours that I want. And ironically, I put in way more hours than I ever have as a nine to five physical therapist. And I do it joyfully. It's my business and I run it how I want. And I choose all of my employees and I do the type of content I want. And I do it when I want at the price point that I want. Like I've just never had so much autonomy because I was not my own boss as a physical therapist. I worked at a clinic where they tell you when to come in and who to see and when to leave and how much vacation you get and what kind of vacation you get. And you have to schedule it and you have to no. Now, if I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take two months off. Okay. You know, I have more time to see my family and see my nieces grow and take as much or as little time as I want. So like that for just my life, my life quality, my family relationships, my friend relationships, my emotional health has been life-changing. Also, I have a bad neck and bad thumbs, which are totally fine now since I don't do 12 hours a day of manual therapy. So it's helped me physically. And then just like, it's so hard to say if it's like a cultural thing or a family thing, but I was raised either by my family or by society to feel like these are the things that you should go for. And I went for them and I got them successfully. I was educated highly. I had a career that was very acceptable. But I think there's always been this scared little artist part in me that never thought I was good enough to shine as an artist Mm. that feels so seen and loved that I get to be creative and be an artist and have that part so celebrated by my fans and my community that like, I feel so proud and so joyful of that part. And then the job is fun. I mean, the job is objectively fun. Any job in which you can and should have orgasms is just like objectively fun. It'd be like having a job eating or having a job sleeping. It's like the three things that we need in life. Like my job entails a basic human need. So like, that's real nice. (laughs) That's so yummy. Oh my gosh. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. If you are listening to this, you are probably like me and you love sex. And you also know that fantastic sex takes more than just a boner. But if that's all that's missing in your connection with your partner, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. You know, that's my favorite. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with the awkwardness that exists because physicians are not often given great guidance about how to talk about sensitive personal things like bone or softness, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. With Blue Chew, penis owners everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. And you know I love a good package. And I have to say, am I allowed to say this? It was very hot when I had a partner who I already had a good, trusting, open relationship. He'd been working on his anxiety, cutting down on screens, meditating, he quit smoking, he started exercising regular, cutting out processed foods, all of that stuff. He was just of a certain age, and I'll just say, the night that he told me he was making his package arrive, it was a very super hot extra layer of turn-on for me personally. So if it's for you, this is a super convenient resource. 
Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com, chew it, and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Are there any, like, specific scenes that stand out? Like, were there moments where you're like, oh, my God, this is my job right now? Like, scenarios or things that are just, like, your favorites? I think and say that almost every day on set. There's like almost always a moment on set where I'll turn to someone and be like, this is our job. Can we just (laughs) all just stand here for a second together and be like, this is our motherfucking job right now. I am dressed as an alien and I'm about to peg the shit out of you and I'm being paid. And like, what? Even after 12 years, I still have to like reality check myself and be like, this is my job. Like, I spent all day, the day before yesterday, dressed up as seven different Barbies for my own content. Like, Yes. Oh, my God. That's so good. Like, that is a beautiful day for me. Oh, my God. Okay. What would you say makes you excellent at what you do? I don't think it has anything to do with my looks or even necessarily my skills. I feel like the very best performers that I've worked with and the most successful performers are both really, really, really smart and really, really, really available to be present sexually. Mm -hmm. There are definitely a lot of performers that look gorgeous, but they're slightly checked out during scenes. And I don't know if it's obvious to the audience because they're doing all the things, they're making all the sounds, but they must be able to tell subconsciously because a lot of the highly award-winning, highly popular performers are also the ones that when I work with them, I'm like, oh, you're so here with me. Like, this is really a joint effort. And you just start, you know, during the scene, like feeding off of each other and you're just really authentic and there and not trying to look cute or hold your stomach in or twist to your best angle. You're just trying to fuck, you know? (laughs) Totally. Wow. So you feel like you drop into that. Yeah. I feel like like I'm a pretty confident lady and like, Like I have a lot of friends that like would be upset if their makeup was really, really messed up at the end of a scene. I'm upset if my makeup isn't messed up at the end of a scene. I was like, I need to get messy. Otherwise, I'm going to get fucked. (laughs) A lot of people really, it's really important to them to look pretty throughout the scene. And I think the fact that I'm confident enough, like during one of my first boy-girl scenes, the director, whenever I see him at a party, comes up, he's like, remember what you said during your first boy-girl scene? And I was like, Fuck me until I'm ugly. And that's what I wanted because I just want to express myself sexually. I don't want it to be about like my pretty fake eyelashes or my hair extensions or my like this or my that. I just want to be animalistic and raw. And that doesn't mean rough all the time at all, but it just means raw and real. And I think there's something about that that resonates with the audience. That's so cool. This is a total question of projection because I went to film school and I'm like, but you let other people be behind the camera. So it's like mind control stuff comes up. How taken care of do you feel on set? Like, what is it like for you? 
first of all, it's tough because on set, every set and production company is a completely different company in and of themselves. And so while there are like general industry standards of behavior, everyone can take those standards in their own direction. So there are some people that I like, companies that I like working with more than others, like Brazzers and Adult Time. There are certain companies that are like at the very top of like care and consent. Companies that have a talent liaison on set whose only job is to keep both eyes on you to be mindful of your consent checklist and whether or not you're able to verbalize anything, they're going to do it for you. So like if Mm -hmm. I said, I don't want to be slapped, I don't know, whatever. And then during the scene, I, no one's being mean, but like you, sometimes you just do something and then I get slapped and maybe I'm so like revved up in the scene that I didn't call cut for myself. The talent liaison will call cut and be like, okay, I saw that you just got slapped. Is that okay now? Have we changed Mm -hmm. our consent checklist? Like, how do you feel? Let's like back down from all the adrenaline and the hormones and the dopamine and like take a breath and decide like, do you want to keep that slap in? Should we rewind? You know, whatever it is. So like there are some sets that take it to the safest place. And those are the only people in my career that I work with now. It just is really, really important to me because while I feel very powerful and do call cut all the time, you do get in like a revved up, like hormonal, Mm -hmm. emotional, like state. And it's nice to have extra sets of eyes on the whole scene that are really, really making sure that everyone isn't going to go home and calm down and be like, ooh, yeah, I'm not sure I wanted that slap on film. Ah, you know, or whatever it is. Say you were going to a swingers club and you think carefully while you're not horny about the things that you do and you do not want to do. And then you arrive and you get super horny and all of a sudden your parameters change. And that's not bad, right? But when you're on film, you have to be really careful about like, is this your hormones talking and it's temporary or is this you talking and you really, really want this? You know, I think we've all experienced making interesting choices when we're super horny or hungry Uh, or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like we don't want that on set. We don't want any remorse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's really wise. I do think sometimes my whole life was created because I am constantly pretty horny. And sometimes I look at it and I'm like, oh, my God, what did I do? Well, it's perfect. Are you still active in the swinger lifestyle? Like, is that something? I wish. I'm not. Okay. But I'll tell you the only reason why because of the work that I do. So the primary reason that I don't do any swinging anymore, even though I used condoms with men while I was swinging, I performed oral sex on women at swingers clubs without any protection. You can judge that however you want, but that is what I did. And out of respect for my colleagues, I no longer have sex with untested partners. And when I say untested, I would not have sex with a partner who didn't have a 14-day or newer STI test from one of the three standardized clinics that do the tests that we need. Because for me, and everyone makes different choices, there's no rules in sex work. But for me, if I went to a swingers club and I got gonorrhea in my throat, eating out some beautiful woman. And then I went to sex the next day and got gonorrhea introduced into the industry. I'd feel like a total asshole. You know, I just don't feel like that would be respectful to my scene partners to be making risky choices in my private life that don't just affect my body. I'll make risky choices in my private life if they only affect my body. 
but they don't. I'm a sex worker now. So my choices affect hundreds of people. That is literally exactly what I was wondering, because since I have gotten more and more into the land of sex work, I have encountered swingers who want to hook up and they don't want to use protection. Well, that's another level. And, and I'm like, wait, what? Well, and by protection, I mean, like, they don't want to let me go down on the lady with laurels, which are the natural rubber latex panties. Like, they don't want to use anything. And there's an entitlement that I find quite a turnoff. So, yeah. All right. And then they judge you as if you're, like, prudish or, like, oh, you think I'm gross. Oh, I don't have an STI. I feel like a lot of non-sex workers get very offended when you ask for an STI test. I'm not dirty. I'm like, nobody said the word dirty. STIs aren't dirty. No one's judging you morally. And having an STI isn't a moral judgment upon you. You know, but that culture around STIs, which really should change, I think is preventing a lot of non-sex workers for testing, non-sex workers that are very sexually active for testing an appropriate amount. My non-sex worker friends have STIs that are sexually active in the bar scene or the Tinder scene, have STIs at a much higher rate than I do. Man, I know. I'm like, could everyone just get a clear pass or a talent test it like constantly? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> it would be. Then we could all just bang all the time. <laughs> yeah. Also, wouldn't it be interesting if the stigma around any infection was the same? Like, what if like anytime someone got any kind of sick, we were just like, see, well, it's fine. Yeah. Or like, why is an STI different than a head cold? Like, if I came to work with a head cold, people wouldn't be like, gross. How'd you even get it? Yeah. Who are you even around? Ew. Ew. <laughs> Who were you near? How'd you, uh, like, what? <laughs> like, it's also interesting around like what boundaries are common or not common. Like I went on a date a few weeks ago, like just a first date. And at the end, this dude like leans in to kiss me and we had not had a connected anything. But I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, saliva exchange is a big deal for me. I get sick. He's like, I don't want to, you know, and it's, it was so much more than that. But I was just like, we're not on the same page here. I understand you're doing a social norm right now. However, I don't know where your mouth has been. You don't like, no, 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 no. no. It's just very interesting. Okay. So are you out about what you do with people? Like, do you get oh, interesting yeah. reactions when you tell them? Like, what's that like? Thank God I live in LA. <laughs> because like my neighbors obviously know, you know, I own my house. I've been here for a while. They're going to figure it out. I've been doing this long enough to where I'm recognizable, so I'm not trying to lie. I'm very open, especially with all my healthcare providers. Anyone that I'm going to be seeing on a regular basis, I don't feel the need to lie about it. The only reason I would ever lie isn't for, like if I was in an Uber, I would lie. And that's not because I'm ashamed. It's because I don't think it's safe to tell someone who I'm trapped in a car with that I'm a sex worker because sometimes men specifically think that that means something it doesn't mean. It means that you're willing to do things that you're not willing to do. And as any femme presenting person will tell you, rejecting a man can be a very, very dangerous thing to do. You know, if someone comes up to you at a bar, you rebuff their advances. Oh, well, you're just a cunt. You're just a bit. You, it turns angry quickly, often. So if I lie about my job, it's because I feel like I'm in a situation where it might not be safe yeah. to divulge that information. That makes a lot of sense. What are your go-to lies about what you do? You have any or do you just make it up every time or do you just deflect? I don't have to make it up because I'm also a physical therapist. Oh, <laughs> I have all of the information on deck about physical therapy so no one would ever like question it. That's you know? such a good point. I yeah. do know. I'm an artist <laughs> and a photographer. Mm -hmm. So exactly. I get it. I really it's get it. easier to tell like 
omissions than like straight lies. If I was like, oh, I'm a YouTuber, they'd be like, great, what's your channel? Uh, (laughs) My life fell apart quickly. So do you get recognized out in the world in Los Angeles? Like, has that happened? Yeah, I was actually on Venice Beach doing some like street interviews with my friend Emma Magnolia for our content. And like, multiple people like ran up to us and we're like, Oh my God, are you Sheree DeVille? And I'm like, hi, yes. Will you be interviewed? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Normally people are super nice and super respectful. Yeah. So what have you noticed or learned about sex related shame through the work that you do? Oh gosh. Sex related shame is such a shame because <laughs> Imagine if for whatever dumb ass reason, our culture put the same vibe on something else that we need because we need sex. We need sex to procreate. We need sex because we're mammals. It is programmed into us on the deepest biological level. It is not a want. It is a need. So what if you took another need like sleep or food and started wrapping it with shame and judgment? That would fuck you up. Yeah. Like the fact that anyone doesn't feel free to express themselves sexually, I think is a tragedy in their lives, an actual full on tragedy because sexual expression should be one of your biggest joys and you should be able to do it in whatever way is emotionally comfortable for you. Like how many men, especially like in the middle of the country are gay or pansexual or bisexual and will never be able to express that. Yeah. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor and they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires and find like-minded people. This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Fleur. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Fleur and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Fleur app celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Fleur invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Fleur now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. Or even just want to touch their butts. Maybe they're straight. Maybe they really are straight. But like, maybe they want to touch their, maybe they want someone else to touch their butt and they'll never get to because they stand around a circle with their dude friends and talk about how gay that is. Yes, all of those things. Or women who have been raised to think that if their, quote, body count is above whatever and it changes Mm. generation to generation, that they have no more value. 
to Mm. a partner. So they're going to limit their sexual partners just to be purchasable for marriage. I mean, tragedy. Not enough room for pleasure. Or people who are not naturally monogamous being forced into 50 years of actual monogamy. You know, just all of these tragedies. I don't particularly believe in the afterlife. So to me, if you are not living however you want to live, as long as you're not hurting others, I mean, to say that you're wasting your life is almost an understatement. Like, I'd want to just shake you and be like, what are you doing? You are going to die. This is going to be over. And you're going to let the opinions of people you don't, or maybe that you do care about, dictate what you do in the 80 years that you have on this planet before it is over? To me, that is fucking crazy. And to think that something like shame can waste years or a lifetime sucks. I would just encourage anyone who has shameful feelings around sex to, and I love my therapist, so this isn't like, get a therapist. I I love therapy. I think therapy is fantastic. I think therapy is for everyone. But if you have shameful feelings around sex, working through that with a sex positive therapist might change your whole life, might bring you joy that you didn't even know you could achieve in your life. Yeah. And I just want to tack on to that. If working on sex stuff feels too scary, working on any part of your life, emotions, creativity, like that cracked it all open for me. I was like, "Hmm, I don't really know why I'm so unhappy with work. And then I was like, oh, (laughs) I'm not getting laid. I'm not doing anything I want. Okay. Yeah. Overhauls are possible. I think overhauls are absolutely possible. And I think that we should all have multiple overhauls throughout our lives. I think that if you haven't had any overhauls, you're not really growing like you could be as a person. Absolutely. So how has your work influenced or informed your own personal life? And like, what exactly does emotionally monogamous mean for you? Like, how does it manifest? Well, for me, I think at this point in my life, just if I'm being completely blunt and honest, I'm too insecure and jealous to share a partner emotionally. Maybe that will change as I become more confident in myself and more confident in my connection and more centered in who I am. But right now, I just have this emotional insecurity. Really, all of my jealousy is just a fear of loss. I'm so desperately afraid of losing my relationship that sharing them emotionally just scares the shit out of me. So that's where I am with that in my personal journey. But maybe if I continue on my journey and continue becoming more confident, I'll be able to allow them the freedom to emotionally powerfully connect sexually and physically with other humans. You know, right Mm -hmm. now I'm only comfortable with that sexual connection. God. Okay. I literally was thinking of it totally backwards because I was like, how do you not fall in love with people? Like, Ah, (laughs) yeah. So like, it's not even a separation thing. It would be more like for me and everyone's totally different for me. Like even before I ever have sex with someone, like I kind of like instantly know if I could love them. Like, I feel like someone's energy, like I fall in love hard and fast and it's only happened a few times in my life. So it's super, super, super rare for me. I have all kinds of other feelings, but like love, 
I'd say has happened less than 10 times for me in my life. And it's not necessarily like sex related, although sex is involved. Okay. So like if I were to like have that knowledge of potential with someone in the current form my relationship takes, I would just sort of avoid increasing my intimacy with that person. That makes sense. You that know? makes sense. It sounds like you have a really clear idea, container, or experience of, shall we call it romantic love? Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to understand that. Y- giving me an orgasm is not going to make me fall in love with you. It yeah. might help our intimacy, which is fantastic for relationships and growth together. And I think sex helps my intimacy with a lot of my friends and coworkers. It is intimate and it is beautiful and it is pleasurable and my genitals are happy, but it doesn't mean I'm like, (sighs) you know what I mean? Like in love. Yeah. I feel like that feeling can be concurrent, but it also has nothing to do with the sex. All those orgasms and dopamine and vulnerability can build intimacy, but I don't think it's necessarily like the foundation of love. What is being in love then? I always experience it as like maybe containers and I put the right amounts of love in the right containers, but I I actually, so I'm a little bit autistic and I don't, I don't know if I understand. I mean, I don't, not that this is a whole podcast yeah. on love. We really do try to stick to sex, but like, yeah, I'm yeah. really curious. I'm getting really curious about love lately. I'm like, what is it? For me, I don't know what it is for everybody. For me, it is like this powerful, tummy, butterfly, I can't get enough of you, I feel addicted to you, everything you do feels amazing, I want to spend all my time with you, I feel so safe with you, I feel like I can be my most authentic me without any judgment Mm. with you. I feel like I could tell you all of my secrets. I want to not not feel like I could. I want to tell you all my secrets. I want to like wrap myself in you until we're like one. You know what I mean? Physically and emotionally. It's just that desire to like have this like insane level of closeness and safety and security and like wiggly butterflies and like hormonal addiction all in one. Wow. Also, I love that you said wiggly because I've been wiggling every day for four years. Um, yeah. That's part of You're my like, personal practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do that in the pool a lot. I like like bouncing around and wiggling in water. Really? It feels like the sensory experience of that is like so joyful. <laughs> I totally get it. I love to wiggle in the pool and I also love to like do swirls. Like how do I say that? Like with my abs I love to where spin. I swirl around. Yes. Yeah, I spin yes. around. I think about it. feels so good. Yeah, I go both directions and I like, get so dizzy. In a tube to like swirl the tube around faster yep. and faster. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's <laughs> exactly right. Sensory amazingness. Sensory yes. amazingness. <laughs> okay, so what do the boundaries between your work and personal life look like? Like do you have to set them up real strong? Do you like how do you imagine them? And or with colleagues, clients, friends, like what does that kind of like look like in Cherie Deville's life? Yeah, I don't feel like I cognitively set them up real strong. I just feel like my only parameter would be if I start to feel that love feeling, I would back off from that human until it either went away or again, within the current parameters of my relationship until it either went away or yeah, yeah, I'm not like, do this, don't do this. It doesn't feel like that for me. There are some people who I have beautiful relationships with, friendships, vulnerabilities, good sex, all of that. And I value them as a human. I need them in my life. They're fabulous friends. I share my secrets with them. 
and I just don't feel all romancy with them. Yeah, yeah. Like if my partner were to have sex with someone and then start like sharing all of his intimate feelings with them, I'd be so jealous. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <gasps> you know, but without that, yeah, it doesn't spark that in me for whatever reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about boundaries for like social media purposes or just like like keeping work separate from your personal life or is it pretty integrated? And also does it inform your sex life? Like <laughs> So I don't have personal social media at all. The only reason I have social media is for work. So everything that you see on my social media, it's not not real, but it's curated with my brand heavily in mind. Like if I'm having like a personal crisis that we all have, like you're never going to hear about it on my social media. Not judging anyone that does that. That's fine. Everyone runs their stuff their own way. But it's not just not my thing. It's not good for Cherie Deville's brand. The real me doesn't have social media. If I did, I would talk about things like that on my social media, probably. But everything that's placed on Cherie Deville's social media is marketing. Mm-hmm. And I find that with my primarily male audience, that even though you'll get a few white knights being like, oh, you poor thing, if something bad is happening in your life, it doesn't help sell porn. And my business is selling porn. So the things that I post on my page are directly to sell porn. I mean, that's it. I just, it's just business, business, business for me. It's so clear when you say it like that. I love that. Yeah. So if I'm like feeling something and I want to write it down, like I'll text a friend, I'll call my parents, I'll talk to my partner. Well, also I don't care about the opinions of internet strangers. So like why I would tell internet strangers anything personal and request their advice is beyond me. But even if I wanted to, knowing that it was bad for my business would totally prevent me from doing it Mm, as well. That makes a lot of sense. Wow. Okay. I'm thinking about all the stuff that I tell people that is very personal, but I also am like, but my personal is my professional. I don't know. You know, well, that's fine too. You know, and then like what you're selling might be different than what I'm selling. Do you know what I, I mean? Don't know like, if I'm like selling anything yeah. yet. And that's or the like problem. your brand. Like, <laughs> like there are definitely people's brands that are all about all kinds of different things, you know? So it just yeah, depends yeah. who your public facing image is and how you want to appear to your audience and why you even want an audience in the first place. Like, what are you getting from those eyeballs? Like, where are you directing those eyeballs and how do you want those eyeballs to feel about you in a business or personal capacity? You know, I feel like once you have those answers for yourself, there are no wrong answers, then you'll be able to curate your public image in a way that feels really right and productive. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So what about your work influencing your own sex life? That is an excellent question. I feel like one thing that my work has done is it's allowed me to like participate in sexual experiences. I personally wouldn't have felt safe participating in without a crew present, like giant gangbangs. Like I wouldn't be comfortable just like going on Craigslist and being like, who wants to fuck? come by my house at 10 p.m. Now 10 strangers have your address and like, do you even like their dicks? And are they going to get in some fight or do they even like each other? Like, never mind testing or any of that. Like, I 
want to be able to be in a gangbang and be like, all right, boys, I'm going to take 10 for some water without anyone being like, oh, my dick's hard. I'm going to like, do you know what I mean? Like, I just want it to be super safe, super consensual. Professional dicks are a plus because everyone knows what's up. No one's in a fight. Everyone's like both having fun and at work. So for me, it's allowed me to like try things that I've always wanted to try in an environment that I just feel is so comfortable. That's amazing. Well, plus like you get to know people and I don't know, it's just on film, especially because our industry is relatively like the on film part of the industry is small. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of know everybody, you know? So then you do end up with like individual relationships with each person in some way, you know? Oh, I fucking love that. And your partner sounds like they've always been supportive. Yeah. Like I was a sex worker before we met all of that. I mean, did you like tell them right away or how do you? Oh yeah. Because so many people have so many feelings about it. Great. And like, imagine a scenario. I go on a date and we have sex on the first date. And then on the second date, I disclose that I'm a sex worker. If that person had a major problem with it, they might feel very upset and misled because Mm -hmm. some people would not choose to have sex with a sex worker. So I feel like it's very dangerous to me to put anyone in the position where they feel bamboozled because, again, in my experience, especially men raised in our culture, express rage as a frequent emotion. And I think as a lot of women, especially trans women, know their problems with themselves can become a problem with your safety very quickly. Yeah. What else have you learned through your work about either like social cultural norms that you like see and or would like to shift sex wise? I, so many, like every cultural norm in the United States around sex is just crap. Everything like forced monogamy is absurd. Any kind of judgment on if and when you masturbate, absurd. When you start your sexual journey, absurd. How many partners you have, absurd. Sexual acts that are good and bad, ridiculous. Like any rule that you're putting on someone's expression is ridiculous, unless, of course, it harms others. You know, there are boundaries that I think we all need to maintain. Like, But even like I love Have you ever heard the phrase consensual non-consent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like everyone's like, well, what about stuff like that? Well, even in a scenario where I'm role-playing a non-consensual sexual experience, which is a strong fantasy of mine, I've had a preliminary discussion about exactly what that role-play scenario should pan out like, you know? So yes. So I think almost anything can be explored safely if both parties are firmly of age and consenting. Fuck yes. Yeah. What about any trends in your personal career that you've like noticed over the years or changes in yourself, personal life, professional life? Like just like what patterns are you noticing that I would never know to ask about specifically? You know, something that I never thought about before I got into sex work is the immense and beautiful variety of sexual expression in humans, all of the different fetishes, all of the different kinks. It is so vast. Even things that I would have previously thought were completely non-sexual, like 
I did a custom once where I spent 45 minutes just sniffing my upper lip like this. And that was sexual for that person. I did a custom where I was pretending to eat tiny plastic people in my cereal. I did a cut. Mm -hmm. That was sexual to someone. I've squished food with my feet. I've done all kinds of things that are definitely sexual for the consumer that I would have never thought would be part of the human sexual experience. So like it has opened my eyes to like all kinds of like cool stuff. Some stuff that I'm like, Hey, I also like this. And some stuff that I'm like, well, that's cool. I'm totally willing to like dive down this rabbit hole with you, but I'm not necessarily getting wet over it. You know yeah. what I mean? That's so cool. Oh man. What else are you excited to explore or grow in your work going forward? You know, I get that question a lot and I'm not even sure. I feel like those things just come to me like, like I'll just be like, I know what I want to do. And then I'll just like make it happen. So right now there's no like big bucket list item that I'm like, must check off ABC. I Well, no, now that I'm thinking about it and I was just thinking about, you know, I've never had sex with a trans man. And I think that is a goddamn shame. Okay. I've had sex with a lot of trans women, but that's something that I'm really curious about. But yeah, as time goes on and I meet the right people and I'm like, Ooh, I'd like to have sex with you. Like then I, all of a sudden I've done a new thing, you know, or I'm like, Oh, that prop looks awesome. Oh, I'll get that. I've done a new thing. Or like (sighs) that fetish concept. Like even when I first started doing bondage and suspension work, I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to like this. Yeah. And it turned out I loved, like loved it in ways that I would have never known that I would want something like, like how being like tightly bound feels and how like even the feeling of physical distress and emotional distress can enhance an orgasm or how like fear and sexuality can go together if you're in a safe environment. Like all these things that I would never have known that I would like that I was like, well, I don't know. I'll try it. And then I'm like, oh, oh, my body is responding quite nicely to this. Oh, look at that. Wasn't even a fantasy of mine, but here we are. I'm going to be doing this again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hang me from the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't like growing up and being like, you know what I want? I want to be hung upside down and beat. Like, yeah. I, like that was not for me. <laughs> but then I did it and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Damn, it sounds like you've done some fun stuff. Oh, wow. If you could wave a magic wand and teach everyone in the whole wide world something about sex, what would it be? I don't even think it would be teaching them anything. I think everyone needs to explore their body organically. I don't even think watching porn before your first sexual experience is necessarily beneficial because the way that I fuck shouldn't be the way that you fuck or the way that that person fucks. Or like, what if you just want someone to like spend 20 minutes sucking on your fingers? Like there shouldn't be any judgment in that or preconceived notion that sex goes in a certain pattern or flow just because that's the way we do it on film. Because honestly, the stuff we do on film is for the consumer. Most of the consumers are male. So it's inherently for the male gaze and it's going in a formula that a multitude of consumers like. That should not influence your sexual expression just because that is consumable porn. I think it's really beautiful to be able to like 
do you without any preconceived notions if possible. And I would also, this would be, God, how would the world be different? Even like at this moment in every country, if you waved a magic wand and people had no shame around their bodies, Mm -hmm. that we all thought we were fantastic, perfect, beautiful, capable, sexual, and had no shame around sexual expression. Like, I think it would not just make people happy, which is fantastic. I think it would drastically change everything. I think wars would be different. I think everything would be profoundly culturally different for the better. I agree. If people wanted to dive into your content, where do you recommend they start? Well, I put all of my new stuff, all the stuff that came from my crazy little brain without anyone else's input on my OnlyFans right now. So I feel like if you want like Power Ranger gangbangs and slutty Barbies and like seeing me with all the people I choose to have sex with and all the ways that I choose to have sex, that's where it is. Because even on film, they're like, you have to have sex for X number of minutes. My scenes could be two hours or five minutes, whatever that experience entails. Fuck yeah. And links to everything are in the description below. Okay. (laughs) Lastly, wrapping up, I need your help with a fantasy brainstorm. Eventually, I hope to have a large, large pleasure palace, maybe also connected to a museum that's a sex ed museum across the street from a sex ed museum. Maybe there's a dungeon down below or nearby. We'll figure it out. All of it. Yes. So (laughs) if you had an unlimited budget to build a sexy playroom, house, castle, whatever your deal is, either for yourself or to represent the brand of Cherie DeVille, what would it be like? There would be multiple rooms and each room for me would have a theme. Like there would definitely be a dungeon room. There would be like a house kind of like Stepford wife, kind of like kitcheny vibe room. There would be a room with just like everything like soft and comfortable and wonderful with like fantastic toys all over the place that people could choose from for their pleasure. There would be a room with like a great drain for any kind of like water sports for like easy cleanup that was like beautiful and nice. Yeah, I feel like it would be like a building with multiple both functional rooms with like suspension ability and equipment. Yeah, I, I think it would be like different rooms with different like color palettes and different vibes and energies and props. I love a prop. (laughs) Fuck yes. Great. Thank you for that input. I will take it into consideration and, um, you know, we'll we'll see when construction begins. Some screens where you could play porn or whatever you wanted to play. Oh, yes. Everyone. That's amazing. Anything else that you want to say about sex, sex work, the sex industry, or anything else? I would say just not you, but for just people at large, Get out of your own way. I still have to get out of my own way for sure. (laughs) If you just like take a deep breath and accept what your inner intuitive voice is telling you is okay and try and filter out the stuff that other people have told you, your body knows what it wants. And this is the pattern a lot of people get into, knowing what you want, having a desire, feeling shame and backing up knowing what you want. Why are we ignoring our beautiful knowing? We know your knowing isn't shameful. Your knowing isn't bad. Your knowing isn't immoral. Your knowing is self. 
And we only have ourselves. So please, and this isn't just for sex, like intuition is your most valuable, powerful tool in all interactions with other people. It will keep you safe. It will keep you on track. It will keep you happy. We're taught to be so cerebral. And I'm not saying don't think anything through, but trust that gut feeling, that quiet knowing, because that will often lead you to a place that the real you wants to be without the cloud of information that we, especially as like women, have been indoctrinated into our whole lives. We've been receiving messages purposefully from people in our lives and subconsciously from every piece of media that we consume that are ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, everyone thinks that 2023 is better and it is, but like, wouldn't you say what our moms were taught in the seventies is ridiculous? I think most people would. And what their moms were taught in the forties, most people would. Well, guess what? What we're being taught right now is just as ridiculous. And just because our culture isn't going to figure that out for another decade doesn't mean you have to waste your life swamped down with the patriarchal oppression that is taught to us. It's bullshit. Don't keep your beautiful goddess down. She is wise and she is powerful. Oh, let your beautiful goddess out. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Cherie DeVille, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. (laughs) Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.